Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman and uh, this is a Manchester City podcast, a weekly podcast, um, audio only usually. We sometimes put a little bit on the Forever Blue Ian Cheeseman YouTube channel, but that's predominantly for match day vlogs. And obviously this week City play on Tuesday at Real Madrid and uh, that comes fairly soon after the victory against Leeds at the weekend. So um, in all probability, the best way to access this is audio, which is probably what you're listening on. And thanks very much for subscribing and listening. And we do all this thanks to the support of Howard Solicitors, who are based in Ashton and Stockport. They specialise in, for example, personal injury claims on a no-win, no-fee basis. So if you've had an accident and it wasn't your fault, give them a shout and see if they can help you. They're on 0161 872 9999 or email law at howardsolicitors.com or just look at the website, which is howardsolicitors.com. And the fact that a lot of people listen from outside the Manchester area, so might think it's inappropriate for them, they are a very competent solicitors who will listen and give you advice, even if you're outside of the area. So don't hesitate to email them or look up their phone number and whatever and call them and mention you heard about them on the Forever Blue podcast. Now, this week's podcast, we're not going to focus as much on the football as we normally do. We will talk about it a little bit later on. But because I've been, and, and I think this is fair to say, inundated by City fans asking me to bring up certain subjects on the podcast, I've decided that this week um, is the week to do it. I mean, the two games that we've had recently, dare I say, have been relatively straightforward victories ahead of the big games to come. So with Real Madrid uh, this coming Tuesday, as we're recording this on Sunday evening, and then a second leg to come against Real Madrid, a trip to Everton in between the two, a FA Cup final against Manchester United, maybe a Champions League final to come. There'll be weeks when we just talk about the football. So that's not to say we're not going to talk about it a bit today. We'll do that later on. And by the way, just before I bring in my guest, at City playing well at the moment and aren't we privileged to be able to watch it but uh, and there will be some fans listening to this because uh, I know lots of people do all around the world who will listen to what we're talking about here and it, and it maybe doesn't apply to them much because they don't come to the stadium very much they watch the games on TV whatever and there's nothing wrong with that as far as I'm concerned uh, the City family is worldwide and everybody is welcome. However, those who are match-going fans, particularly those who've been going for a long time, uh, will see the issues that we're going to talk about as a lot more significant. And before I introduce the, the guests that I have today, um, I have to, first of all, tell you that because these are in some ways critical or likely to be critical of the club, I did ask Danny Wilson, who's a very senior uh, board member at City these days, and this is this is his remit really, if he would like to come on the podcast. And he said that he would be talking to the 1894 group who are responsible for things like generating atmosphere and the some of the things that happened before the game uh, separately, and also City Matters, which is the the group that represent different factions of fans who talk and meet with the club regularly. He would be talking to both of those groups um, sometime after this podcast, not saying immediately. And so therefore, he didn't see really an awful lot of point at this stage of coming on this and having the debate out in the open, though he did say he would consider coming on in the future. But he said he'd listen. Um, so um, hiya, Danny. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Now, uh, 
uh, Trevor Riley, who is a representative of 1894 Group, was considering coming on today, but he's got a lot of commitments and also a few technical difficulties. So a little bit later on, I might read out what he sent to me as a message to sort of represent what the 1894 Group are thinking about one issue in particular. But what I do have with me is uh, Didsbury Dave, as he's known on social media, who is Paul, who is um, with us for the first time, actually, on this podcast. So you're very welcome, Paul. We've also got Mark Todd, who is the representative of City Matters, who, as far as I'm concerned, is the most active, the most passionate, the one who's fighting for fans all the time. Big admirer of Mark. I've known him for uh, must be about 80, 90 years now because, you know, we're both getting on. So um, and, and I know what an absolutely sincere, genuine City fan he is and who really, really cares. And I know he's in dialogue all the time, as I'm sure he will explain with people like Danny. And also Andy, who represents uh, another part of the fandom. Uh, we may get uh, another uh, person join us a little bit later on. Adam, who's a young fan. He's not with us at the moment. We'll see if he joins us a little bit later on. He's from the 18 to 25 category. So I'm trying to represent everybody, really. So there are a few different topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, the Real Madrid tickets for the home game against uh, Real Madrid and how they were distributed. Uh, the Brentford away ticket fiasco, shall we call it that, when a glitch in the system apparently meant that uh, the wrong group of, or a bigger proportion of the wrong group of fans got tickets. Um, the fact that season tickets themselves have been um, now up for renewal, but of course at a, an increased price. Um, and I know that there's been a, a fan who's contacted me saying that he, as an older fan, he feels more and more on the outside, really, of City fandom and that everything seems to be pointing towards uh, so-called tourists and, and, and one-off visitors to the stadium. So there's a whole load of things we're going to talk about. But we're going to start with uh, the, the new design for the North Stand which is the new extension, of course, and the proposal, which seems to have been become aware to people later than than the original plans, that there's going to be a corporate section in the on the front edge of the double tier extension above the already extending lower tier. And a lot of I know that a lot, lot of people have contacted me, a lot of people with very strong opinions saying that they don't feel that's the right thing to do. So Paul Didsbury Dave is, is one of those people. So let's bring you in first of all, Paul, because I think this is one of your uh, biggest sort of passion points, shall I say. So yep. what is to explain what the situation is and explain from your point of view what the issue is. Well, to put it into context, I think the last two home matches uh, have, have shown what the problem is at City with regards to atmosphere. I don't think we have a quiet fan base particularly. You know, you can see in the Arsenal game and the, the, the Bayern Munich game, when the stadium are behind the team, we can produce an atmosphere as good as anybody in the league. But for the fixtures that have perhaps got a little bit less behind them, like the last two, we've got a real problem within the stadium. It's almost a worst case scenario. We've got now three different groups of vocal fans. We've got the vocal fans in the bottom tier of the South stands. We've got the vocal fans in the corner. They call it Kipax Corner. We've got another bunch of vocal fans in the top tier of the of, of the South Stand as well. But they're divided 
by the away fans. So yeah. I don't sit in any of those areas. I sit in, in, in the Colin Bell stand. And I can tell you now, there's lots of times where all three sections are singing three different songs at the same time. And there's this mud of noise coming out from all these areas. And the rest of the stadium is, is, is not going to join in in that situation. So a lot of people see this new North Stand development as the last chance to get a proper atmosphere in the stadium. The stadium needs one voice, as far as I'm concerned, not three, one voice. And this development is the last chance. And people were really excited because clearly the club have picked up on this. Some of the documentation that they've sent out shows that they're paying attention to acoustics and they're going to push it as an atmosphere area. But somebody's seen in the plans that the top tier, the big top tier, which I think was designed to actually catch noise because three tiers reduces noise and reduces acoustics. It has a layer of corporate seating right at the front, which if that whole end is a singing end, is going to divide the singers up completely. And I think a lot of people are really worried about that. Well, I can say that Trevor from the 1894 group has now joined us. Uh, thanks for sorting out your technical difficulties, Trev. Um, <laughs> I, I know what it feels like because I'm getting older all the time as well. Oh, yeah. So you've just heard what, what Paul Didsbury Davis had to say about the North Stand. What's the yeah. point of view from the 1894 group? Because uh, obviously you're the, the end at the South Stand um, that is trying to create the sort of thing that Pep wants, which is the the noise. Um, so if it's all moved to the other end, there's a big corporate section in there. Is that a concern of yours? Yeah, yeah, like we've just highlighted. We have three different singing sections and it all needs to go into one, otherwise it's never going to work. And when we started at 1894, this is nine seasons now, we all we all played with the safe standing that we've got. Then we all, even nine seasons ago, we said when they redevelop, uh, we will all move into one end. So it's been something that we've been looking for for many many years um, and now all of a sudden well we had a meeting with the club um, about a month before the um, drawings came out we were discussing yeah bringing three four five thousand singers over into one end and we'll get safe standing in there'll be no corporate in the way to have a discussion absolutely great and all of a sudden just out the blue on blue moon come out these drawings which are dead against anything that that was that's looked into and makes any sense. If we're going to look at something like the yellow wall in, in Dortmund or anything like that, I don't think we'd ever get that, but we can get something similar going. Um, it's not going to happen with what they've uh, shown with the drawings. Whether this is just a discussion point, I don't know. We're waiting now for the club to come back and have a meeting about it. But just a bit disappointed in how the drawings came out, even though we'd had discussions before this. Uh, nothing's happened since. This was a couple of weeks ago, but nobody's arranged a meeting. And it's this one last opportunity, which you've just said, Then It's this one last opportunity that we have to make a good singing end. And we've, with, with the plans that you're looking at at the moment, it's not going to happen. And, and it's the corporate that's in the way, and there's no looking at safe stand anymore. And if that's going to happen, then it's, it's just simple. The fans will stay where they are. Nobody will want to move into that. Uh, so I just think it's been badly planned. I'm delighted to say that Adam's joined us as well now, who's one of the 18 to 25-year-old category, who is, I'm sure, a singer. And I know I've seen you at the South Stand end, Adam. <laughs> yeah. So you just heard what Trevor said. If there is a section in this new North Stand and the club contact you, I don't mean you individually, but people like you, and say, fancy relocating to the North Stand, would that put you off? Um, I'm quite a sheep myself. Um, I think I'd go with whatever 
1894 wanted to do and what the majority seem to be. If the singers are going to be going over there, then I'm going to go and join them. Um, but considering it does look to be more of a corporate, um, you know, hotel side, shops and all that sort of stuff, it doesn't really match the values of a singing section, I don't think. So yeah. it sort of doesn't look to be a place that we'd be welcome, if that's, that makes sense. I think <laughs> they're, um, they're after a different type of fan over there, aren't they? So we would want to be where we're able to be a bit rowdy and stuff like that, like we are now. Um, we're quite happy with our bar. I mean, I was complaining about our season tickets going up by, what, £30 or whatever they did last season. But then you saw the bar that they did for us in the South Stand, and we love that now. Um, so that can be justified. So I'm happy where we are, really. So if they if they were to contact us and ask us to move over, I'd obviously want to find out what everyone else was doing first. But it doesn't seem like a place that we'd be, we'd be looking to move over to. Yeah. Obviously, putting the other side of this argument, and as I say, Danny, Danny's not here to, to put it, but I'm sure he would be, or other people at the club would be saying, well, listen, the club's got to expand its corporate. There's got, you know, that, that's where the big profit is. That all helps to give you the club, the players that you want to see on the pitch. Um, you know, I mean, we can, we're going to talk about season ticket prices going up in a bit, but we also know that general season tickets, uh, and especially if you're a pensioner, are a relatively small, not that I am yet, <laughs> believe me, but, yeah, you know, that, <laughs> but that, you know, that, that is a relatively small part, whereas people always talk about sponsorship and corporate as being a highly significant part. So not building a corporate section in the new expanded stand, they would see as a missed opportunity and a loss of a lot of income. And uh, perhaps before I bring in uh, Trevor and Paul and Adam again, Andy has a person who uh, through business, con you know, your business is using corporate areas. How do you feel when you listen to fans talking this way and knowing that, you know, you're engaging in the corporate side through your business and that corporate is such a significant part of the financial big picture for City? Well, the last time I was on with Mark, I think we were reviewing what the North Stand was going to be and I made my views very clear. It was about atmosphere and price point and nothing else. And I think there's plenty of room to accommodate um, even relocating middle tier, I'd happily move out of my middle tier seat that I have uh, into uh, a fan area as my corporate days are, are getting less and less and are pretty much over, not least since it's costing more and more and the benefits you get, yeah, they're not anything like they used to be. So, yeah, there's plenty of long-time corporates moaning about ticket allocation and and other uh, things, the price of additional uh, tickets has gone sky high if you wanted to bring someone else. So everything's going in the wrong direction from the cost point of view. And I think the idea of sticking corporates in the North stands just nonsense, frankly. I just Great. don't see that that would be uh, anything other than finance-orientated. Really, Even though I'm... I'm even though I'm a relatively quiet fan who, I admit, doesn't, you know, sing. I, I like to just study the game. I must admit, putting a block of corporate seats right in the middle of what would be 
the singing end does seem bizarre and nonsensical. But then again, from a business perspective, it might be absolutely the right thing to do. But I, I, I sit quite close to the tunnel club and I can see that on a match day, there are a lot of um, visiting supporters who go in there. So you put some visiting supporters in that corporate section in the middle of the, the big loud bank, if that's what it's to be, of City fans. And I can see trouble brewing there. Um, Mark, as, as City Matters representative, who has a lot of dialogue, what, where are you on all this? It, to be honest, it just doesn't make any sense from what they've said over a number of years. It's not just the latest plans, because one of the whole points of, uh, from a business point of view, not from a fan's point of view, of extending the North Stand was to enable them to make use of Level 2 in the Colin Bell and the East Stand. Because at the moment, most of those, or maybe some of those, are still standard general admission season tickets. So kind of the whole point of extending the capacity of the ground was so people could relocate and they could have a little bit of almost like a Club Wembley ring on the East and the Colin Bell. So now it's not great for those fans who are in there who don't want to move. Don't get me wrong, I'm not like in favour of it. But I'm just telling you that the club's plans I understood were to give us like a popular end, let's call it, of the North Stand, to give them the space to give people the opportunity to move around so that they could make the uh, level two uh, more corporate and maybe even some in the South Stand. But certainly the whole point of giving us more past 7,000 extra seats was for that space. So, and I saw the plans like we all did in the consultation. They weren't really plans. They were a bit more like um, an artist's impression of what you might get. Mm. And I think what's come out, which has got more detail on it, is the planning application. Because the planning application has to have a lot more detail on it. So typical city, I hate to say it, because I work with them all the time. They, they're, they're so bad at communications. I, I, you know, the club do lots of things really well. And it's not just communication with the fans. It's just communicating with everybody. So consequently, the worst case scenario is to show your fans something that looks fantastic they all sign up to and then produce these other plans without telling anybody <laughs> in the public domain that show a corporate area. that Now, which fool thought that was a good idea? Even, you know, to sort of produce it as a silly rabbit out of the hat makes it even worse. So, of course, everyone's angry. Now they're angry that there's corporate in there, and they're angry that we've had the wool pulled over our eyes. So they, they really love cheesing off their customers, it seems to me. And it just, it's bad communication. And, and I couldn't agree more with everybody. I think I said a few weeks ago when I was on, when we were just talking about the artist impression, they asked us, and they've asked others, but not just us, they asked us, what do you think the North Stand should be? And I said, it needs to be the popular end, it needs to be where everybody wants to go and make the noise, get the TFOs going, let the let people miles younger than us make the noise and bring the noise. And, and it needs to be like safe standing. It's just so obvious. It needs to be the cheaper end of the price range. It's so obvious. that's And that means they can go and do all the creative business stuff and the other three stands. Do it there. That's what, the, that's what happens in Germany. All this stuff about cheap tickets in Germany. It's cheap at this popular end. It's not necessarily cheap everywhere else. And that's the business model that they said they were going to follow. So to suddenly plonk these corporate seats right in the middle, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. And, you know, communication shocking at City. I hope the 1894 going hard on them in terms of what, you know, what they want, because that's exactly the right thing to do. It's I, We'll definitely bring it up through City Matters. We'd probably like to work with 1894 yeah. on a 
a joint statement at some point. We might even think about offer that if that if you found that useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. You go and do your own thing. But if you would like that, I think we'd be up for that. Yeah, yeah. Trevor, you've just Trevor and Paul really. You've both heard what everybody's had to say about it. Um, yeah. This is something that you two feel particularly passionate about. So, you know, yeah. on the basis that Danny Wilson is listening right now, what, what would you say well, if he was on with us now? What would you say to him? Well, I feel even more concerned now, having heard the, the comments of the, the young chap who was on earlier on from the 18 to 25 age group. And I think the club needs to listen very hard because what he said is that um, I'm, I'm quite happy with the bar that we've got now in the South Stand and, you know, I'll have to see what everybody else is doing. This stands or falls on the take-up, OK? Yeah. It doesn't matter what the club do. The only way this will work as an atmosphere end is if thousands of vocal fans in the existing vocal areas move. And that's the key point here. So they can market it as much as they want. They can put the seats in there. But if people think, no, it's not for me, the whole thing will fail. And it will probably make the atmosphere worse because we could end up with four different singing areas here. So I think the club needs to look long and hard at this. And the guys have made lots of good points here. We don't need a corporate area there. I've, I've sat in corporate on plenty of occasions, to be quite honest. And the corporate seats in general are at the sides of the stadium and in the second tier. And there is loads of areas there where corporate areas could we, be. Could we be have them in the south stand at the moment, am I right? In the middle on the level yeah. two. Yeah. So, yeah. so don't get me wrong. So I know what they've done because, you know, they're, they're so obvious, you know, it jumps out at it. They've seen that. It works. People buy tickets there. They thought we'll replicate it there. But if you, it, it, it would make sense to me to just leave the new north stand alone. And if they need another 400 corporate seats for the business plan, go and do them down there where they've already got some. And that it's it, it's not rocket science. I'm hoping that they listen to sense when you uh, get to meet them, Trev. Trev, you want to add anything to that? I, I'm just so pleased with everybody almost agreeing how we think at 1894. Um, who would do something like this on the city? Um, it's as though they're trying to satisfy too many people in one block. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and by satisfying everybody, they satisfy nobody. And as we've just said, we've got three other great big areas in the stadium to do everything, the corporate, you name it, to just make that one big end. This big end, you know, even if we move there in season 2027, it will take two or three years to get going. Just as the South Stand is taking years to get going, it's taking seven years to get that end going. It does take time. And this plan is something, you know, this North End is something that in 20 years' time, there'll be a hellfire look at that. Um, and it's something that will be intimidating for the teams to come and play against. So if we don't get it right from the start, and it's a fantastic opportunity, it's probably one of the best opportunities, apart from what the Spurs fans have with their new stadium in that great end that they have, this is as good as anybody's going to get. And I'm just hoping it's, it's almost a discussion point and when we meet up with the club. Um, they'll, they'll listen and change their ways. And I've just got to highlight as well, the guys that we contact at the club, um, at kind of like lower management, they're absolutely fantastic and agree with us as well. They've helped us no end in the last seven or eight years. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but I just think all of a sudden the decisions have been made above. Nobody's been, there's been no consultation. And it is, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. Just one, just one more thing on this subject is, my, in my experience... The people who work at City, nearly everybody I meet is good and nice, good people. You know, you'd like them type thing. But it's nearly always cock-up, not conspiracy. 
they very rarely think, I know, we'll sneak out for, it'll be a mistake. It'll almost guarantee they haven't thought it through or they haven't thought the consequences. I, I, it's only my experience. I might be wrong this time. Maybe it is something else afoot. But because of that, you can sometimes unpick it when they realise the mistake they've made. Yeah. So you might find that you're pushing on a bit of an open door. I hope you are because they yeah. should be looking. Yeah. Yeah. I must, I, I must admit, um, and this is not a pitch, by the way, but, you know, I sort of think, why, why is an older fan who's, who's you know, in touch with supporters um, and, you know, understands the fan base, not involved in that? It seems like there's a lot of young people who are making decisions who probably probably haven't got that experience. So I'd, I'd love to work for the club in some capacity. I'm sure, Mark, you would be a, a perfect fit for, for something oh, like God, that. I wouldn't well. work for him in a million years. I don't mind doing it as a volunteer, but no, <laughs> I'd rather work for anybody else but City. Before I let Trev go, sorry, Andy, go on. Just a quick point on the corporate expansion. Um, if if anybody's been in the South Stand where the, the, the 9320 space is, behind both Colin, from Colin Bell and from the East Stand. These are huge, almost you could put two tiers of, of uh, corporate in there. And it wouldn't be difficult to move out 210, 209 on the East Stand. There's hardly any seasonals in 210, 209's GA. So, you know, there's, there's scope to do things and, and make it attractive for, for, for us to move. It's no brainer. They don't have to put new stuff in the North Stand at all. Well, just before we move on to a, another part of this discussion, and I know Trevor can't be with us for a lot today because of other commitments, so I appreciate you being here, Trevor. Um, just let me ask this question of Adam, um, given that you are sort of our floating volta, so to speak, in yeah. terms of not knowing where you're going to go. And you made a very good point before about, you know, it's not just this corporate section, but the fact that it's perceived with the hotels behind and the, the sky panel at the top and everything like that. Um, when you originally made your decision before the South Stand was established as it is now, which Trevor's quite rightly pointed out, took a little while to get there, um, was the attraction of being where the singing section is now the fact that you were next to the away fans? Because I've heard a lot of people saying that they wanted to be near the away fans to, to, you know, to get that sort of energy from the away fans, whereas at other grounds, and I'm not going to mention them, but we all know them, where they have one big end. Well, Tottenham, I'll mention Tottenham. Tottenham have a big bank at one end and the away fans are at the other end of the ground. Um, and that isn't what how it happened at City. So I'm just curious to know what drew you to be in the South Stand. Was it the away fans or was it just following where you perceived that the home fans would be loudest? It was... It was where, growing up, where the most vocal support was. So, obviously, I'm only 24, so I don't remember us moving across. I don't remember the early stages, but I know from, you know, going to games, I can remember, for the earliest games I remember is sort of 07, 08. But really, when you're a kid, you don't really care about the vocal support. So then you, you go in, say, when I was sort of 15, 16, you think, oh, I want to be want to be where the sort of singers are and at that point you know people in the south stand that was where you know they, they were getting things going there it was where the most vocal support was so i just went there because that's where the, i saw the most vocal support was um so being next to near the away fans i think it helped it does help um it does help get things going but i think if we were to move away from them i don't think i'd mind as long as we were as vocal as we are now 
I think that'd be fine. Um, so I, I think it's more about the people around me than the, where the away fans are to me. So I, I actually think that, sorry to interrupt there, Ian. I actually think that having vocal fans next to the away fans damages the atmosphere because it's all about the way a song spreads from one particular source. And if you've got away fans right next to the vocal fans, it's almost like a barrier, particularly if they're noisy. You can hear it on some of the European nights when they're making a racket with the drums. The, the, the vocal areas are singing and on the opposite side of those away fans, people can't even hear it. That's so true, yeah. That, that, that if yeah. songs are starting from a new North stand that's kind of, that's, that's a, a complete opposite end, they will spread right around the ground at the same time. You know, people only sing if people around them are singing. There's a crowd psychology involved here, yeah. and and yeah. if a song, you, you can see that the song almost spreads like a like a Mexican wave around the stadium. Yeah, and that, the away fan section is it's a barrier, it's a problem. And from what I hear, I don't sit in that area. I think Trevor does. Um, you know, one vocal area can't even hear the other one most of the time. Yeah. Well, final word before you go, Trev. Um, you, you've heard what Adam said. You heard what everybody else said. What What is your hope when you have that meeting uh, with the club, um, when you try to thrash this out? Is your aim to remove that corporate section? What What would be your goal now going forward? Yeah, if I'm, I'll, I'll answer that one, but just two quick things. I'm glad the away section was mentioned because... It is a problem, but it isn't a problem. It creates more animosity. You know, it creates more animosity. And it gets fans going, but we need to try and edge away from all that. I think we're the only stadium in the Premier League where away fans come and get a hell of a lot. They penned in, they're getting crushed in. I've been to many away games. You don't feel anywhere near as intimidated as you do at the Etihad, and they like it, so they've grown up to it. But in some ways, I'd rather get away from that and create one again because, um, as we were just saying. Louder the, the louder the noise is, the louder the noise gets, then it spreads better. Uh, then we were saying about the corporates that are in uh, level two, which is above the South Sand Lower. You know me, I love the flags and the displays. People say, well, flags don't sing, but I just love to make a, a, a statement with flags and banners. That corporate section in, in, in the second tier is a nightmare for me. It destroys all of my displays. So for us to be able to go into the North Stand and have one big end of Two, on two levels, I can do better displays. I can do really fantastic stuff. Um, but as you say, what, what was your question again? <laughs> What's your, what would be your hope now for the new North Stand? Is it to remove that corporate section? Is it as simple, simple as that when you eventually meet up with a club? Yeah, I'd hope they say, yeah, we, we're listening and it was only an idea. Uh, let's move the corporate away. Let's get safe standing in. Let's just try and get because there's a time element to this. If people get used to it early on about moving and everything that stands right and the corporate's out of the way and the safe standing is, people will then start looking forward to it. But if we're bickering for six and 12 months, it's going to be, it's not going to do it right. It's not going to work. We, we need we need it sorting out quickly. So if Danny Wilson's listening, then please, you know, let's get a meeting on quick and discuss how we're going to move forward with this. It's one big opportunity. Let's not miss out. Well, Trevor, thanks very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, well, thank you very we'll much. We'll get you on again, obviously. You know, you're Please, always yeah. welcome anyway. But um, but thank you for your contribution and good luck. Cheers. Thank you very much. So thanks to speak to everybody as well. It's been really good. Brilliant. Thanks for the displays, if you're behind them, Trev, they're fantastic. Lovely. Thank you very much. Much appreciate. I enjoy out. every one of them. Get the ship out. I love the ship. Yeah, that's coming out soon. That's coming out soon, mate. Definitely. See you in a bit, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, Cheers Trevor. Trevor.
So um, we'll, we'll we'll leave that subject now, although it might come weave back into whatever other things that we talk about. There have been a couple of situations which uh, I'm pretty sure Mark will be more familiar with than anybody because you'll have been at the sharp end of these. But the the two that jump out at me straight away is that when Real Madrid tickets uh, for the home leg uh, in from now ten days away uh, were available. Um, I know a friend of mine, for example, who, uh, this is his story, who uh, wanted to buy an extra ticket for a friend of his who's a lifelong City fan, uh, but lives abroad now, so was coming home for the game. And he couldn't buy one as a season ticket holder. And by the way, you know, he's been going since the 50s. Um, he couldn't buy an extra ticket. But um, he found a loophole, which was that his wife... Uh, were, had a membership number which had, which had been inactive for a couple of years. So he renewed the £35 payment to reactivate it and was instantly available to get a ticket. And other people have told me similar stories. And the um, conspiracy theory, shall we call it that, to, to be kind, is that the, the club don't really want people who are regulars to go there. They actually want people who've perhaps never been before, who are more likely to spend more money, um, who are more likely to, um, you know, just buy into everything that City do, and that this was why that happened. And the other, the other what big one was, which has been um, sort of argued away as being a, a system glitch, was when Brentford tickets went on sale, which is the last away game, which could be the decisive game in the title race, we'll see, um, that the group of 18 to 25-year-olds who have a proportion of those tickets reserved for them were given almost a full allocation. And a lot of fans who'd been regulars for many years or came from a different section of the fandom uh, missed out. You know, I know a few who were... I know, I know one lad, for example, I won't name who he is, but... Goes to every game home and away, first team, goes to all the women's games, goes to all the EDS, all the youth team, even travels away with, with those other teams when City's first team are not playing, who'd missed out initially. Um, they then read it. I think you had something to do with this, Mark, frankly, but they redid it and, and made sure that that process started again. But that was rather an embarrassing glitch. Uh, which some people might have argued was also done deliberately. Uh, I'm, I'm not subscribing to that. I'm just saying that's what a lot of people are saying. So on those two subjects, Mark, give us the lowdown from what you've been going through and and, and how that came about. I'm, I'm glad you've called it going through. God dear me, the last few days have been horrendous in terms of trying to unpick um, what's happened. City from time, to, and, and lots of clubs do this, you know, City from time to time, cheese off a section of their support by not thinking it through or bad behaviour or being a bit greedy. There's also loads of people experience that. Manchester City Football Club managed to cheese off virtually every section of its support at some point this week. The poor 18 to 25s all got a ticket for Brentford away. And so they're cock-a-hoop high-fiving each other on TikTok and posting it. And then... All the people who had loads of points who were thinking, oh, I'm going to get a Brent, uh, Brentford away ticket, were cheesed off because it sold out in seven seconds. So I cheesed off them. Um, so they managed to cheat. You know, season ticket holders have been cheesed off. Then the Real Madrid thing. So they managed to cheese everybody off at some point. But I, the news I have to give you is, as I said a bit earlier, is it is more cock-up than conspiracy. 
So do you want me to talk about each one in turn and just explain? I'll, I'll try not to bang on because it's all about ticketing. But Real Madrid at home, we have 36,000 season ticket holders, roughly. All of those people were given first dibs on a ticket for themselves. So if you do the math, as they say, that's only about, leaves about 14,000 tickets spare after 36,000 have gone to season ticket holders and, say, 3,000 to Real Madrid fans. It's about 14. If, if they're on the scheme. No, no. 36. So the first lot are on the scheme are about 15,000. Yeah. They get they get the ticket whether they like it or not because they've signed up, people like me. And then the rest of the 36, so is that 21? They they get first dibs on the ticket. So to get it in perspective on numbers, not on the principle, all 36,000 got first go at getting themselves a ticket. Okay. After that, the remaining tickets are about 14,000, a bit less because of corporate, but about 14,000 is the maximum it could be. They're available to what's known as a match day member. They're people who pay £35, not for the season, it's for 12 months, to be able to be have, get priority for match tickets, for, especially for the cup um, and that type of thing. What City have done in the last 12 months, 18 months, is grow that membership. So it used to be they didn't really grow it, it just existed. People, We had about 10,000 or something of these people. They've really pushed it and pushed it. So we've now got like over 40,000, I think it was last summer. So we've, you know, it's gone up. Well, I might have my numbers wrong, but it's gone up to a very large number of people indeed. And they're all promised um, they'll get first dibs on tickets. That's why they pay their £35. So what City didn't think about is, and, and I think it, they, even they've admitted it was a mistake. They don't, they don't apologise very often, but they apologised to City Matters when we had a meeting with them about this subject. They didn't realise that the demand would be so high for this match. Now, it sounds bizarre to say that about a semi-final, but last season in the semi-final, it wasn't that high. And actually, they ended up allowing season ticket holders to buy an extra ticket last season. So I'm not defending them, I'm explaining. So just so you realise that. So they didn't know it'd be that high. So anybody who had a membership could buy one of these 14,000 tickets. They've grown this membership, so it's huge. And there's some people who've been on it for a long time, some people who haven't. And the other thing they didn't think through was you could buy a membership one day and buy a ticket the next. So literally, somebody who'd been a member for 10 years was given exactly the same priority as somebody who could have bought a membership that week and bought a ticket. Including Constantly, potentially a Real Madrid fan. Absolutely. Well, it's it's a touts charter. It's, it's not, not only could we have Real, and we have got Real Madrid fans who bought those tickets. So we've got Real Madrid fans who could have bought that ticket. Because all they had to do was pay 35 quid and then buy one. And to them, that would be a bargain, I presume. But touts could do it. Anybody could do it. But the worst thing was, we had match day members who maybe have been to three or four or maybe even five or six Champions League games. They were treated exactly the same as somebody bought a membership the day before. And that was it was such a huge mistake. But I, I, I'm absolutely willing to put my hand on my heart and say, they just didn't think about it. Now, that's atrocious in itself. But I don't think it was some evil plan to squeeze out 30 pound memberships out of people. I'm only being honest. I really don't. I'm not convinced of that, Mark. 
I'm not convinced of that at all. I'm not saying it was an evil plan, but, uh, but you know, I bought enough tickets from City over the years. They are pretty switched on to demand and supply, and they're quite happy to put a point system in place. And they usually get it pretty much right for Wembley tickets and away matches and the likes. I think they, they knew full well this will sell them a whole batch of matchday membership. Well, you might be right. membership. Yeah, I think they you did. might be right. And what I'll do, what I've actually asked for, and so City Matters, is um, um, a list of how many memberships they sold since the draw was made. Yeah, I bet if you're right, because you might be right. I'm not. I'm, I'm only giving my opinion, and I might yeah. be wrong. So you might be right. I honestly don't think they thought it through. That's only my honest opinion. So, for example, we've got an FA Cup final coming up. Last time we were in an FA Cup final, match day members could buy a membership and buy uh, one of the tickets, but we didn't have that many, so nobody cared. So we all, you know, are you with me? So if we had 36,000 yeah. season ticket holders, so nobody noticed and nobody cared. They've never had qualifying criteria for match day members unless it was about security. Yeah, so they have. Yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool, United, Liverpool. even Leeds, I think. You had to have a previous yeah. purchase history. So why I think they didn't think about it rather than having an evil plan was they do have qualifying criteria for these people, which usually... Even Bayern Munich, they had it for Bayern Munich. And the reason they had it for Bayern Munich was security because they thought the intelligence was Bayern fans, because there was loads of them, would buy a membership to get a ticket to come to that match. So they did it for Bayern Munich. So if they were, if they were, if they were just trying to sell membership, they wouldn't have done it for Bayern Munich, is my theory. But you might be right. And in, to, a, to a fan who's been a member for 10 years, it kind of doesn't matter. They were treated the same as somebody who bought a membership the day before. And guess what? We had 45,000 people trying to buy tickets all at once on the website and loads of people missed out. We have a long-term problem along the lines that you've described, Ian, which is season ticket holders buying an extra ticket. So you'd think they'd, they'd want that, wouldn't you? You'd think, oh, let's look after the season ticket holders, let them buy an extra ticket. But because they've been pushing this membership so much, they need spare tickets for these people to buy. So that's been going on for about 18 months now. And I've been banging my head against a brick wall with the club to say you need to treat your season ticket holders a bit better than you are doing. Uh, and for example, West Ham, which was uh, was on recently, and Leicester, they opened the window for season ticket holders to buy tickets quite late. And we ended up with tickets unsold. And it's not because the demand wasn't there. It's because they opened it up to season ticket holders too late for people to make arrangements. So that's Real Madrid. What we've managed to get them to agree is that'll never happen again. There'll never be open season for match day members. Uh, and we've just given them a proposal to have like a previous purchase history for the upcoming FA Cup final for match day members, even though there's, especially with it being United, because somebody could buy a membership, couldn't they? But even if it wasn't, I don't think they'll ever go down that road again. We've, if we're lucky enough to beat Real Madrid, we'll have the same issue in relation to a Champions League final. So we've asked them to put some quality, we've given them an idea what we think, and that only went in today, so I can't say what that is. But it'll be a previous you know, proof that you've been to some matches to stop people buying a membership and then next day buying a match ticket. So I, I, they just messed it up in my view. And then we're hoping they won't make the same mistake again, but I can't guarantee that because I don't work in the ticket office. Maybe this uh, message that I received from Jonathan Sankson, well, and it's the only one I'm going to read out, but it's 
sort of relevant, really, and he did want me to read it out. Um, he says, um, he's been a member of the Supporters Club for 27 years, a former season ticket holder at Main Road and originally at what was the City of Manchester Stadium. He says, I feel disheartened uh, that to be able to get a chance of a season ticket now, you face the lottery of sitting on the phone or waiting on the website to be told to try again next year. What is the club thinking when they don't have a proper waiting list for season tickets and prefer to sell them to football tourists? How can the club think differently? Now, I'm going to try and answer a little bit of that before I bring okay. you guys in. Is that not just inevitably the way that the club is going in terms of wanting to maximise profits, that um, actually reducing arguably the number of season ticket holders and having more people who come in casually who have more disposable income. I mean, I see people, I'm at the ground very, very early and I've overheard conversations and other people have told me anecdotally, you know, that I, I, I could be sat next to somebody and hear them say something like, um, yeah, oh, yeah, this ticket cost me £300 today, you know, uh, but it's, it's well worth it, you know, come all the way from and then you can fill in any destination. And that those people have got a bag absolutely teeming with, with goodies that they bought. Uh, they, the, the prices on the concourses for food and drink doesn't put them off. They're the dream customer for yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. And as long as they can fill the stadium with people like that, and if you're interested to be really cynical <laughs> about it, get rid of pensioners who you know get discounts and stuff like that, that that would be their dream situation. That's what he's representing in his question. He does ask a specific one about waiting lists for season tickets, which you can answer if you know the answer to it. But it's to, more to me, he's representing that view that the club has gone in the route of maximising profit and to hell with legacy fans and fans who've been there since he, he actually named it elsewhere in the message at York City away, etc., is that, is that not just an inevitable price for success? Because I said 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever, enjoy the rocket ride. It's going to be brilliant. You're going to get everything you want. You're going to win every trophy. You're going to have the best players in the world. But somewhere in this journey, we're going to morph into everything that you hated about Manchester United, the corporate machine. And is that not where we're going? Is that not the, the direction of travel? Who wants to go first? I'll, I'll just comment uh, on business head-on. Though City are quite open about their strategy. The match day experience is referred to a number of times in the financial report 21-22. And they also are very pleased that 104,000 unique supporters had a purchasing relationship coming to the stadium during that financial year. So if I understand that correctly, that's 104,000 times the membership, uh, which is quite a lot of money. So I think there's no question that anyone who goes to the stadium can, can see exactly what Ian's seeing, growing in size week after week. And it would appear that, you know, we can't manage uh, 30 games at home a season and 30 away without cock-ups and... It, you, you get people from all walks of their loyalty. You know, I can pretend to be an 18-year-old, can't I? Who's going to check my birth certificate? Is anybody doing that, actually? I mean, our tout's already on that. So there's no loyalty there. That's just about age. 
doesn't matter how many times you've been to watch City in the past. And it's the same, frankly, for corporates as well. There's now, you know, uh, not enough fish and bread to feed the 5,000. So um, luckily, I've got myself a ticket for the Brentford game. One, when I'm entitled, if available, to five. And four family members with over 24,300 points each, we missed out. It had gone by 25,000. So certainly I know that the applications, just to give you an idea on the corporate side, were six times the amount of tickets that were allocated for seasonal um, hospitality members. So everybody had to go into a ballot or it was cut down, however it's done. But that's the way it's going and it's getting more and more regular every game, particularly the low capacity grounds or the big games. It's just heading that way. And I just think that there's there's a difficulty in trying to balance it all. And I think now, particularly what's happened this week, it's really gone badly. And the communication, I take Mark's point here, has been dreadful. Let's be honest, if we're all looking at the um, the sites that we're on or the pals we've got, we're finding things out. But there's absolutely zilch coming from the club. And I think they've got to up their game big time in terms of you know, communicating exactly what's going on. Who knows when FA Cup tickets are going on sale? Does anybody? There's a reason for that, which is the, the, the cock-ups that have taken place just lately have messed up a lot of things. So, for example, I've just explained that because they got it so wrong with match day members getting the Real Madrid tickets, we had we kind of said, please put a stop right now before yeah. you go out for FA Cup final, whilst we have a little think for two days. You know, we, we're all volunteers talking. To, and we take soundings, you know, but it's not just us giving our opinions. It is that, but we take soundings. And then we've gone back to the club and said, you absolutely cannot just let all match day members suddenly have a go at tickets after season ticket holders remember but still you've got to make sure that you put something in place so they've ended up delaying I, I believe this is only again my opinion I've not been told I think they've delayed FA Cup final because United are already selling them I believe so well, the point, the point, Mark the point is though all of this is predictable from months ago this is not just suddenly right. arrived last Sunday so, yeah. so frankly it's bad management it's shocking yeah. Okay, it's it's how it is, and and it needs it needs improving really, or or we just all decide we've had enough, and um, you know, more and more of the the tourists get our seats, which is. But as as long as City keep winning games, keep winning trophies, all the things that we're talking about here um, are relatively unimportant to uh, to most supporters because they desperately want to be there. Before I bring Paul in again. Um, and this isn't meant to be patronising this, Adam, at all. Yes. But having listened to this whole debate, does any of this bother you? Or, I mean, you know, you, you strike me as a as sort of a right down-to-earth fan who just deals with whatever's in front of them. I mean, does it, does it bother you what, what you're listening to? Yeah, because I think we need to strike. The club needs to strike a balance between the corporate side of things and, and the regular fan. And, I'll, I'm, you know, I'm not naive. I understand the club want to bring in more one-off fans you know coming for one-off games because i just go to my game i'll buy a couple of pints on the concourse and i'll go home i've i've not been in the club shop for years i can't remember last time i went to the club shop i don't buy anything i don't buy kits i don't buy shirts they're all too expensive for me i just go to the game and i go home and um, that's it um so i understand why they would want to increase 
uh, the percentage of fans who do go to the shops and stuff like that. But the club needs to understand that the people like me who just go to the bar, sing and go home are quite important to the club as well because we need to have people like 1894 who've created an atmosphere um, because people who turn up for one-off games, they're not the ones that are singing. Um, they're spending lots of money, but they're not creating an atmosphere. And, and clubs are built on a, a reputation as well. So you look around the world, you look towards Germany, you see Russia Dorm, you think, oh, their fans are amazing. If I wanted to go as a, as a tourist to Germany, I'd want to go to Dortmund and I'd want to see the fans because they're amazing. So that's important too. I think it's important we have that balance because to the club, our loyalty is important. And your guys, your older guys who don't sing but go every week and, and have unwavering support, that's important because you've got to have that loyal fan base um, where if we turned out to be what mid table one season we're just not we're not going to just not turn up we'll be there regardless so i think it's important that loyalty is respected um and we've got we've got to keep that there otherwise you've got a, a lot of fickle supporters who might just one day decide not to support the club because perhaps we're not performing as well as man united and they'll go over there instead you know Adam, so Adam, adam's right it's about the balance because yeah. at the moment We've got 36,000 season ticket holders. That's miles more than most other clubs who we're competing with. United and Liverpool, I don't think, have that many. Um, Liverpool have a lot less than that. United yeah, have Liverpool with... gone in that direction deliberately to yeah, maximise yeah, yeah. I mean, more So Don't get me wrong, I'm not naive. But City, have, we've got 36,000. They, they, why you're, uh, the guy you talked about can't get a season ticket is because they're not allowing any new ones to be distributed at them. There isn't a season ticket. It'd be hundred thousand long if we with that team at the moment. If we had a, a waiting list, the waiting list would be a nonsense in some ways because there'd be so many people on it, and there'd be, you know, we we wouldn't be able to meet the demand because the team's so good. People want to come and watch Manchester City. I can't believe I'm saying these words, but people want to come and watch Manchester City that much. But if the 36,000 fans turn up week in, week out, which we do, they're the core support, whether you're, whether you're 24 or 44 or 60 like me, they're the core support. As long as they keep coming and we keep renewing our season tickets, I would hold on to my season ticket for grim death if I was anybody out there. Never let it go. Hold on to it because the club are moving in that direction. Now, I don't deny they are, but let's not, let's have a bit of balance here. The people who are coming, the 14,000 extra, they're not all tourists. There's plenty of people who are match day members who come to 10 games a season because that's what they can afford through work because they work a lot or whatever it might be. There's plenty of those 14,000 match day tickets that get sold for a league game that are not just somebody coming to just watch. I think we've got more football tourists than we've ever had. We Nobody was a football tourist at Manchester City until four or five years ago. So it is a genuinely new experience for us. And we notice it more on things like Champions League nights. So, well, I do. I notice it even more on Champions League nights. So when there's more tickets probably available for people to come and buy as tourists on packages and various other things. But what we've got to do is talk to the club and get them to do what Adam's said, which is understand we have different parts of our fan base that are really important. The younger ones, the older ones, the ones long-term with a lot of points and all that kind of stuff. And they've got to get the balance right. And at the moment, I wouldn't say they've got the balance right. I'd say that we need to just refocus the club as fans and say, keep the balance as it is. Keep 36,000 season ticket holders. There's probably going to be people who don't renew this summer 
know, people can't afford it. People might people pass away, for God's sake, you know. And people move away, whatever it might be. Students, people got university, can't keep it going, the season ticket. So there will be people who don't renew. They, they kind of call it churn, I think, don't they? Where, you know, you have a number of season tickets bound not to. So let's say we have a thousand people don't renew. I would hope they would offer those 1,000 to the people on the match day membership to buy so they can become uh, fans who come every week. But I'm not naive. I don't think they'll do that. My honest opinion is that they might allow some renewals on, out of that because they can't keep not renewing. But there'll be a point at which I think the club should, again, about communication, they should tell us how many seasons ago do you want. At the moment, it's 36. Are you staying for the business plan? We can only have 34, 32, 30. You know, give us an idea. I think if people knew that we could buy into it and that, and because the match day members do spend more money, even people who are not tourists, you know, city fans who come for two games a season, proper city fans, they go and spend money in the club shop. They spend a bit more money here, there and everywhere. So we shouldn't call all the people who buy a match day member some kind of tourist. Uh, and we have to keep the balance right. I think Adam's dead right. Well, obviously, you you know you wanted to come on tonight to represent a lot of the things that have been said on Blue Moon Forum and whatnot. You've listened to the whole debate, and I've been watching your body language, and I might be reading it wrong, but I can see you sort of squirming a little bit from time to time. What what conclusions have you drawn from this debate, and are we missing anything? No, I'm 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 not squirming. No, I think. I... What, what I would say to provide some balance is I think that the, the cups for cock-ups days are behind us. You know, I think in general, the club is well run and does look after the fans and they get most things right. I think it's been a bad couple of weeks. I think we've got to remember as well, to be honest, when we were just focused on our local fan base four or five years ago, we weren't filling the stadium every week. So right. I do understand that they've got to put a lot of effort in to try and to get new fans and I can see every week they're getting coach slows down from Scotland and I think they're doing that um, but just bringing the conversation back to where we started um, the, the, the North Stand development is a chance to get that to rebalance I really do a few people have used that word balance I think that's the chance that's got to be the stand where the local fans the, the, the fans that can't necessarily afford 70, 80 pounds a ticket that's where they are and that's why there shouldn't be a corporate area certainly at the front of that stand. I said we'd talk about the football. We've, we've used the full hour here. I'm going to ask one other question, by the way, um, a general question about ticketing before very brief mention the football, which, by the way, what do we need to say? It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, we've, we're watching the dream um, and we'll no doubt wax lyrical about it again next week. Uh, just a quick one, really, from, from the four of you. Um, season ticket prices have gone up. It's more for some than others, but it, they've basically gone up. Um, did you feel that was a bit of a PR gaffe by the club, given that we're in a uh, cost of living crisis? And the argument that's made I, a lot by people is that City's income from tickets is a relatively small part of the pie. So why did they really need to do that? Even though some fans have said to me, well, I, I can afford it and City are playing the best football in the world. So it only works out at one or two pound a ticket. Why would I complain about that? I can I can afford it. So it really depends on how you look at it. I just I just wonder what each of the four of you think about the the price increase. Um, Adam, uh, you obviously your ticket will have gone up. Is it bother you? Do you think the club should have resisted the temptation to put it up? Yeah. So I'm 
the South Stand Level 1. So mine's pretty cheap as it is. It's going up to 710. I'm not sure what it is at the minute. I think it's about a 30 something pound increase. Um, I, my view on it is that City have missed out a really good opportunity to sort of give something back to the fans and, you know, a real PR positive. I think they've missed out on that because, of course, everything's going up, you know, price of milk's going up, never mind price of tickets. So it's, of course, going to, it's natural that, you know, ticket prices will go up uh, like everything else is. So I understand why it might have to go up, but I think the club, given they don't need the money, you know, £30 from me, what? £30 from everyone, do they really need that extra £30? Probably not, considering the amount of money that they, they have coming in from all the other revenue streams. Because they don't need that money, should they not have just gone, no, let's let's leave it, let's let's let everyone have the freeze because £30 in my in a fan's pocket is more important to them than £30 in the club's pocket. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just a, a big a, a miss, a PR miss from them more than anything because I can't afford 30 quid. I'll pay it. We're playing great football, so I don't mind it, but it's just a bit of a shame that they didn't, they missed that opportunity, really. It's a bit like, it's a bit of kicking the teeth, but yeah. Andy, your, your views? I mean, do you think City missed a trick? I think the uh, the costs, fixed costs have gone up. They've got to recoup them somehow. Um, the price of my season tickets uh, went up effectively by the cost of one nineteenth of the season, so if you like the the cost of one more game, you know. Um, now I think that's fair dues. I'm okay with that. But what I do think they could have done was meet us halfway and say, okay, this demand for tickets has gone up. We all know that ticket exchange is working, and it's limited. I think to ten games per season, if I'm right. Still. Yeah. So why not meet us halfway and give us the full price for that ticket that the club sells it for, not just one nineteenth of the season ticket price? At least give us something back when the profit, you're selling it twice. I think we need to think about putting that one on the table, uh, Mark, next time you meet. Mark, do you think it was an on goal? You know something, I agree with Adam, that, well, both of guys, but Adam makes a really good point. It wasn't so much an own goal as a missed opportunity. And um, City matters react to things a lot. So we get the club coming to us and saying, we're going to do this. What do you think? So it's reactive. You know, we don't run the ticket office or run the bars in the South Stand. So when we find out they've run out of beer, we react. We go and tell them or when they want to talk to us about something, we react. And we try to get on the front foot with ticket pricing. So you might have seen we put a statement out early, quite early and it was to say to the club, look, you've got a real opportunity here, cost of living crisis, to not put prices up. We made the argument, I mean, obviously the statement was straightforward, but behind the scenes we said to them, why don't you not put the prices up so that you can show off how good you are and have a PR win, which is exactly what Adam just said. Um, and we think with the effect we might have had, but I, I guess I predict I'm, I'm guessing because they've not told us, is that we might have had a bit of influence on keeping the price to be relatively low in terms of increase. Uh, the, the, uh, Aston Villa have just put their prices up 15%, and the price rises around the Premier League are, are quite high this year. And it's partly because of the costs of running a football club have gone up, as Andy's just said. You know, inflation's at 10%, food inflation's at 19 
So we might have had the effect of keeping, we don't know, but we might have had the effect of asking for a price re, uh, freeze of keeping most season tickets below 5%, I think we did. So who knows? We don't know. But it was would it, for the sake of 5%, like Adam said, on his season ticket, what is almost the point of doing that? Why didn't you have a big win? Say we're going to look after the supporters. And you could even have said just for this season, no promises next year, you know, just to put the price rise off till next year. But they decided not to. I'd like to think they listened to us about the price of everything in the world going up and they kept it low. But obviously I can't claim that. I just hope that they thought just a missed opportunity by City. Again, comes and comes and PR. I hate to say it, it's only my opinion, not the committee's opinion. But I don't think they're the best in the world, that's it. I really appreciate your time, Mark, tonight and all the hard work you do on on on, on, the, uh, on behalf of all the fans and a lot of people uh, know your name, see what you're doing and really appreciate it. I hope you know that. Uh, and that's meant very, very sincerely. Um, thanks very much to Andy, to, to Adam. Um, and obviously we had Trevor on a little bit earlier on and Paul, who has also had to go now, Didsbury Dave. So really appreciate everybody's contribution. Um, also, thanks very much to Howard Solicitors, Stockport, Ashton and Cheshire. You specialise in family law, so if you're going through a separation or you're having problems with access to your children or with social services, give them a call, 01618729999, email law at Howard Solicitors or simply go on their website, Howard Solicitors. Um, we haven't mentioned the football, so I'm going to, just as a last question, really, ask the three of you that have stuck with me all the way through from beginning to end, um, what your feelings are really on... Real Madrid um, this this coming Tuesday. I mean, City have shuffled the pack a little bit and got the results that they needed. Arsenal have obviously won Newcastle, so it looks as if uh, it's going to go to either Brighton or Brentford as the uh, potential title decider. So um, I would think at the moment, the way it's looking, it's unlikely to happen against Chelsea at home. But in terms of Real Madrid, which is the next one on the horizon, how optimistic are you all? Um, Adam, are you expecting City to come back with a, a win or happy with a draw? Or what, where do you stand there? I'm not expecting us to go and win. Um, but I think we've got a lot better chance of doing it this year and keeping them out um, than we did last year. I think we're looking really defensively solid. And to get to a European Cup final, you have got to be defensively solid. Um, so I'm a lot more confident, actually, than I was last year, even though I'm still not very confident. Um, but I think as long as we can get to the Etihad with a draw or even even a 1-0 loss, a one-goal deficit, I think we can, we can do them at our place. I really do. So as long as we don't fall apart on Tuesday, I'll be really confident going into that second leg. Um, and I think just being at the Bernabeu, you, you can fall apart. We When we went to Bayern Munich in that second leg, we sort of played it like it was a home tie. I think we've got to be really sturdy at the Bernabeu and be calm um, and, and realise it is a two-legged tie. Um, so it might be tight in on, on Tuesday. And, and if it is, then um, I think I'd be quite confident going into the second leg. So hopefully it is tight. Andy, we've been to Madrid a few times now. Two semi-finals against Real Madrid. Uh, lost them both, Gareth Bale the first time and then that Vinicius Junior um, end of the game last year. Are you confident it's third time lucky? Uh, we have beaten them uh, over there, although not in a semi-final. Uh, so it's not like it's an, uh, an impossible place to get a win. 
I think the big difference this time in this semi-final is the sequence of games. And I think Adam's made a great point. I think we're much more savvy in how we're getting through games. And I mean the domestic uh, league here as well. When we've needed to, we've really shown up in these last uh, few weeks. I think Arsenal and Bayern Munich's people were talking about us like in a different stratosphere. So I think we've got to trust in the team and Pep. I think it just gets a bit congested towards the uh, Brighton, Brentford, Man United, and maybe one more game after having two Madrids and Everton and Chelsea before that. So it's nothing uh, nailed down. It's uh, it's going to go all the way, I think. So, uh, yeah, confident in the way we're playing, but 89th minute in the Bernabeu last year is still sore. So we'll see. Mark? I just I, I could listen to Andy telling us all the matches we've uh, got coming up till the cows come home. Oh, bloody hell, Real Madrid twice, <laughs> FA Cup final against Red. Honestly, it's music to me ears here and all that. We outplayed them twice last season, twice, both home and away, but letting six goals, am I right? Um, so you can't do that. So, you know, you've got to not let in. If we don't let in six goals, you know, if we keep them out in both games, uh, the way that we're keeping most teams out, we've got enough firepower to win it over two legs. So it's two legs, almost home and away doesn't matter in some way. We're great at home at the moment, but we're capable of winning there as well. So. As long as their defence um, doesn't like the guys have said, do their job, which they have been doing, then, you know, we've got a good chance over two legs. It might be tempting to listen to this podcast if you've not one, heard one before and think, uh, oh, that was all negative. No, it was analytical and and looking at some of the things off the field that, that fans want clearer messaging on and, and, and to try to get it right and to get it better right and that's because we care that's because we care uh, nobody's saying that our club isn't the best club in the world and that we love it dearly we all do and so if you don't remember anything else from this podcast just remember this it's great to be a blue <laughs> <laughs>